Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Chris Fallotton. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit ibethel.org. We pray for courage and strength to be released through what every member has brought here today. That we would be an encourager. That we would be an encounter with God. That the God that's within us would would reach out through us and touch people who are in need. Amen. I I feel like um, there are different times for and different seasons where sometimes the Lord gives us a um, a message from the podium that's um, on a Sunday that's a teaching. Like we're learning skills and we're gaining skills and we're 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 learning how to apply kingdom principles to our life and it's. It's all good. Every, everything that I think that, that happens here is, is really good. Other times I feel like um, God is doing something that doesn't mean we're not learning some skills, but it's actually a prophetic declaration over us. And last Sunday I had um, some things happen um, specifically about uh, a scripture. And I actually, um, you know, I was in the prayer house and I, I had this uh, part of the scripture going through my mind and I, is anyone else like this? I've been reading the Bible for more than 30 years, and I'll know where passages of Scripture, I know passages of Scripture, but I don't know the addresses. Is there anyone else like that? Or I'll know where they are on a page, but, you know, it doesn't work too good if you're using your iPhone. It's like, okay. And so, you know, I, I tried looking it up in my Bible program during the prayer, uh, in the prayer meeting, just to see where that, that phrase was, and they didn't know, but Google knows. It's kind of crazy, like, you know, Google knows everything. Google's like saved. <laughs> Google's like your mother. You know, you can spell things wrong, and they're like, oh, this is probably what you're trying to say. I'm like, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I don't know who's working there, but somebody has the gift of discernment, whoever is doing that program. So I put it in Google, and it popped up and said, this is, is this the verse you're probably looking for, this verse, right? And I'm like, man, Google is saved. So, I, I'm, that's, I don't know anything about Google, so forgive me if, that, um, if that's wrong. But anyway, um, so I want to talk to you today about dealing with dark seasons. And uh, I, I had this part of this verse going through my mind, and last week Jen uh, sang it over the people before I even got a chance to pray it over people, and Brian sung it over people, uh, sung a song about um, encouraging, in fact, he sung, the last song we sang was, um, let the weak, uh, that the weak would be made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord. He's Lord of all. That song, cornerstone song, which was just a, to me a confirmation that this this message um, that I actually prayed last week and are going to preach this week is actually a prophetic declaration over so many people. So if you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 35, um, I want to just we'll read the first few verses. And verse 3 is really where we want to land today and talk about um, encouraging people. So Psalms 35, verse 1. Isaiah 35, verse 1. Yeah, the psalmist also wrote something really powerful. I was going to highlight that later, but then I just thought I'd homogenize them. So you can turn to Isaiah 35. It'll probably be easier to follow. It means that's the one I'll be reading. Verse 1. The wilderness and the desert will be glad. Now, before we go on, you need to kind of put on your prophetic hat. Okay, can you kind of put on your prophetic hat? 
So, because we're reading the prophets. When you read the prophets, you kind of have to think like a prophet. You know what I'm saying? So when he says, the wilderness and the desert will be glad, how many of you have ever been in the wilderness? Metaphorically speaking, okay, wait, listen. The wilderness, you know the wilderness, like you're not in the promised land, but you're not in Egypt. You're kind of stuck in the terrible middle. How many have ever been in the wilderness? There we go. And he says, the wilderness and the desert. How many have ever been in the desert? The desert, you know, it's like, ah, uh, dry, ick, ah. Uh. Are you with me? Okay, he says this. So, so when, when Isaiah speaks, the wilderness and the desert will be glad, how many understand he's talking about seasons in our life and not actually like the wilderness, like, you know, like, like, the, like the cactus are going to get happy. Do, are you with me? So he's saying, the wilderness and the desert will be glad, and Abarth will rejoice and blossom like a crocus. I don't know what that is, but it must be good. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and with shouts of joy. That's just good right there. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, and the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. The glory of the Lord will be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. That's a good word. And they, and they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of God. <laughs> this is really cool. I, I taught Siri to call me his majesty. <laughs> <laughs> the other day I was driving along and I said, Siri, what's my name? And she said, your name is Chris, but you told me to call you your majesty. <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> One of the guys taught me that I could change my name up. It's kind of cool. <laughs> then I asked it to share some directions with me, and I was, it, was, it, was, you know, it was doing that direction thing. Turn left here, turn that way, turn the opposite way, and it goes, your majesty, you are lost. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the scripture. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of God. Now, here's the verse. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those who are anxious in heart, listen to this. Say to those who are anxious in heart, take courage. Don't be afraid. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and the recompense of God will come and he will save you then the eyes of the blind will be open. When? When we take courage and the feeble are strengthened and the exhausted are encouraged. Then it says, then the eyes of the blind will be open. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute will shout for joy. The waters will break forth in the wilderness. Come on. The waters will break forth in the wilderness, streams in Abarth, which I assume to be the desert. The scorched land will become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. Is that a good word or what? And, I, and listen, I just want to stop and say this before we go on. I feel like this is a season for us to strengthen, the, and to, to encourage the weak, to strengthen the feeble, and to say, no, I mean, I mean actually... This, listen, you can say this anytime. People, there'll be people in the congregation go, yes, of course. That's a good word. But sometimes, how many know, when the angel stirred the water in, in, uh, in, at the pool of Bethesda, you jumped in. It's like, you, you know, you can jump in the water anytime. It's all good. But when the angel stirs the water and you jump in, something miraculous happens. You can go dunk seven times in the Jordan River and have a great, you know, 
Yeah, thank you, bath. That's, <laughs> I was thinking of something more profound, but bath will work. But if the Lord says go dunk seven times in the Jordan River, how many of you know that's a totally different experience? So this morning I'm sharing with you and I'm saying, listen, we're supposed to what? What's it say? We're supposed to encourage the exhausted. Now that's a good word anytime. That's a good word anytime. We can say that anytime. And if I, if I preach this message anytime, there will always be a percentage of people go, oh, thank you so much, that's great. But I have a sense that this is actually a prophetic message for a prophetic season. And when God says, encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble and say to those who are anxious, take courage, don't be afraid, your God's coming, that it, it's, it's a stirring of the water season and, the Lord, and there's a lot of people who are exhausted and the Lord's saying, this is what I'm doing in this season. Not, for it, not just for an individual person, this is what I'm doing corporately. I'm encouraging the exhausted, I'm strengthening the feeble and I'm saying to the anxious hearts, take courage, help is on the way. I, I love this. How many know that it all works out in the end? It all works out for good in the end. So if it's not good, it's not the end. It's just a great word. Now, <laughs> encourage the exhausted. That word encourage the exhausted in the Hebrew, which I don't know a word of Hebrew, but I, my, my Google helps me. Encourage the exhausted actually is the same exact word, words, two words, in Hebrew that means holding spears in the book of Nehemiah. Now, let me just, let me just you're like, you're probably totally lost like I would be. Nehemiah chapter five, verse 15, listen to this. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, then all of us returned to work on the wall. Now let me just tell you just a little bit about Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the story about rebuilding the walls and setting up the gates of Jerusalem. What they had been trying to do for 72 years, they did in 52 days. Are you with me? And so Nehemiah, his name means comforter. Think of anyone else who's a comforter in the Bible? He goes to Jerusalem to restore the walls and set up the gates. When he starts, when he starts the rebuilding process, he gets resistance. At three, specifically three enemies, Tobiah, Sanballat, and Gershom all begin to, to assault the people of God and to assault Nehemiah. Now, they're quiet before they begin to rebuild the walls. But when they begin to rebuild the walls, then they get resistance. How many understand that sometimes there's no resistance in our life because we're not doing anything that needs to be resisted? I love what Bill said a few months ago. He said, if you don't encounter a demon once in a while, maybe you're going the same direction. I wouldn't have said it that way, but I thought it was very repeatable. So Nehemiah is in the middle of rebuilding the walls, and this is, so we're kind of picking up in the middle of the movie, if you will, and in Nehemiah chapter four is, is as they're, they're actually having success, and the enemy is really angry. And he said, when our enemies heard that it was known to us, and that God had frustrated their plans, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work, while, other, while the other half, listen to this, held spears. That word held spears is encourage the exhausted. No, did you get what I just said? The word held spears is the same exact, not related, not root word, the same exact word, encourage the exhausted. 
In other words, Nehemiah said the way they encourage the exhausted is to hold spears. So, he's, so he begins to talk about they held spears, the shields and bows and breastplates, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried on the burdens took, one, took, took their load with one hand doing the work, and the other they were holding a weapon. Same word, encouraged the exhausted. They were holding a weapon. You get this? In the Hebrew, it's the same word. They were holding, I'm sorry, they were holding the weapon. They were encouraged the exhausted. As the, as the builders each wore his sword girded on his side as he built, while the trumpeter stood near me. And I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive. And we are separated on the wall from one another. And at whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us, and our God will fight for us. And we carried on the work with half of them holding spears, encouraging the exhausted. Did you get that? Half of them were encouraging the exhausted, while the other half built the wall from dawn until the stars appeared. Is that good? There are people in life, if you will, that are rebuilding the walls of their life. They're rebuilding, their walls have been torn down. Maybe, they're, maybe they were addicted to drugs or maybe they just didn't know God. For whatever, they're, they're, they lost their business, they lost their, their marriage, they, they lost a child, something terrible happened in their life and they're in the process of rebuilding their walls and we need to encourage the exhausted. And for some of us, for some of those people, encouraging the exhausted I don't want to take away from, we just, sometimes we just need to give them courage. But this is a beautiful picture that sometimes encouraging the exhausted means, I'll stand here and hold spears and protect you while you work on your wall. Sometimes, everybody say sometimes. Sometimes we're in this middle of this warfare and we don't even know it. We don't even know we're in the middle of a war. And, and you know, I think that yeah, I, I want to be careful because here's the balance. On, this, is the, this is the fine line I'm walking on today. I don't want us to be devil-minded. I don't want to end up at the end of this message with us being like, the devil's big and God's little. So we get a flat tire, I'm like, oh, that devil, he flattened my tire. I'm like, he, he, he's too busy. He's too busy to mess with you. He's got seven billion people and growing. So I don't want us to become devil conscious in the sense that we become you know, hyper-spiritual about the devil's, you know, we become like super like, you know, you know what I'm saying. I think uh, Katie said best in first service, Kate, she said it best. She said, we tend to get what we, what we expect. We tend, to, we tend to receive what we put our focus on. And so I don't want us to be hypersensitive about, about demonic stuff. On the other side of that, I don't want us to be unaware that we actually have an enemy. Paul and Peter both said that we are to be aware that we have an enemy. And I'm concerned in our lives, and, and again, this message is about how to walk through dark times. I'm concerned that believers in God have stopped believing that there actually is an enemy. Mm, I don't know if that went over very well. We actually have resistance. So when, you know, when something happens in our life, 
we tend to like, we run to the doctor, and by the way, I have no problem with doctors. We run to a counselor, no problem with counselors. We run to our friends, we run to, it, those are, it's all fine. Listen, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying we tend to be unaware that this might be some kind of demonic spirit that's warring against us, and these thoughts and emotions and struggles I have, this exhaustion I have may be because I am actually in some sort of warfare that looks natural on the outside, but it's actually spiritual on another dimension. Some years ago, I was um, speaking at, uh, in this particular place, and there was too many people um, for one building, so they had, they had broken up the conference into two buildings, and we had a driver, we all, all the speakers had a driver who, was driving, who were driving us back and forth from building to building as we had sessions one right after the other. And so um, the buildings were about 10 minutes apart, and, and the, in, the instruction to our drivers was, hey, when the speakers are in your car, please don't talk to them, they only have 10 minutes to get ready for their next session, and I don't know if you know this, but as a speaker, it's much easier to speak two different messages 10 minutes apart than it is to speak the same message twice. Because if you're not careful, you're doing ministry out of memory instead of anointing. And so I, I, what I like to do is, I, it's just this my thing, I like to picture myself preaching the message to the people. So my, my, uh, my driver had, man, I'll, I'll just call him Henry, wasn't Henry, my driver was instructed, you know, hey, don't talk to Chris when he gets in the car because he'll be wanting to think and pray through the next session. And so I sent a car, I got in the car, and I really was doing that. I was really like, okay, I just finished an hour message. I'm gonna preach the same message in 10 minutes at another building to another group of people. And we're driving there, and I get in the car, and as soon as I get in the car, immediately I feel like I, I hear this word, I wanna kill myself. No, I know, I'm like, it's not, not me. Like, I'm doing good, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, not, like, I'm not doing this right now. I don't even know what that is, what that, how that's happening, but I need to focus. Like, I have, a, I have another 800 people I'm about to speak to, and I need to stay focused. So this is a distraction. So I close my eyes to kind of like, I'm, I get that out of here. Okay, let me just focus let me, let me just, uh, just imagine what we're going to do next with the Holy Spirit. As soon as I close my eyes, I see my driver, who happens to be a friend of mine, hanging from a chimney by a rope around his neck. I'm like, okay, this is getting too weird. So I turn to my friend, and it's like I said, it's, it's only 10 minutes from, from building to building, and we're, like, we're already like three minutes into this. So I turned to my friend and I said, hey, I know this sounds really weird and I know we just have a couple of minutes to, to go from building to building, but by any chance are you struggling with suicide, with suicidal thoughts? And, and he doesn't say anything, he just starts to cry. I go, well, this is kind of strange because I saw you hanging yourself from a chimney by a rope. He turns to me weeping now. Now, he's driving, you know. I was like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> he turns to me, weeping, and he, said, and he said to me, I put a rope on my chimney last night, and I said to God, if you don't deliver me from this thing, I'm going to kill myself. I said, okay. And, and he said, I've been plagued with suicidal thoughts for six months, day and night. They don't stop. I am exhausted 
from this war in my mind. And last night, I felt so strongly that I was to hang myself. So I put a rope up, but I couldn't do it. So I told God, you either deliver me today or I'm taking my life. I go, all right, Henry. Well, the next thing I saw, when I closed my eyes, right after I, right after I saw that, I saw me hit Henry in the chest, <laughs> which I don't recommend, <laughs> and say, in the name of Jesus, you spirit, you spirit of suicide, leave now. Now, by the way, I've never done that before. But that's what I saw in this picture in my mind, which I will call a vision. So I said to Henry, I said, Henry, I said, it sounds strange, but then Henry's crying. Henry doesn't even care what's strange now. I said to Henry, Henry, I, the next thing I saw in this, in this vision is that I saw me hit you in the chest really hard, and I saw, and I, and I heard me say, in the name of Jesus, you suicidal spirit, leave this man, and I saw the spirit lead. So I feel like I'm supposed to hit you in the chest and make the spirit leave. He goes, he's, he's just, you can imagine, he's wailing now. He's like, you hit me anywhere you want. <laughs> and I said, I don't know why it's important, but I hit you hard in the vision. He said, hit me as hard as you want, I don't care. And I'm thinking, I care, because you're driving. So I said, well, hang on, to the hang on to the steering wheel with both hands. <laughs> it's an absolutely unexaggerated true story. He's hanging on the steering wheel, and I really am thinking like, oh, Lord, I hope this works. I hope he doesn't kill us both. I hit him in the chest. Ugh! In Jesus' name, be gone, you suicidal spirit. And he went, whoa! Like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. In Jesus' name, car, drive yourself. <laughs> that part I didn't say. I just was praying it. Well, we're like two minutes from the building now, and, and it's total quiet, so, total silence. He just goes, oh! And it's silent. So I wait. About a minute goes by. I, I said, uh, Henry, how are you? He said, man, it's gone. I said, I said, how do you know it's gone? He said, dude, I'm telling you, I never had a second of peace when I was awake. And it would wake me even at night. It is gone. So about, I saw him about three weeks later, two weeks later, and uh, he, he, uh, I met him in his place, and he, said, and he said, dude, I owe you my life. He said, I will do anything for you. You saved my life. If it wasn't for you, I'd be hanging from a chimney. I saw him just about six months ago where I was doing a conference in another city. He came to the conference just for a couple hours. He walks up to me. First thing he says to me, he said, I want, I want you to remember that I owe you my life. So anything you need, I will do for you. How many know sometimes we're just having a bad thought? Other times we're in a war. Um, people need us to not just to hold the spear, but sometimes they need to jab, jab, jab. Are you with me? Sometimes when we say encourage the exhausted, it's more than, hey, dude, you're a good guy. Sometimes we have to get our sword out and you get the point. We gotta do a little warfare for people. St 
strengthen the, the feeble. The word strengthen the feeble, Proverbs 25, 24.5 says, a wise man is strong, a man of knowledge increases in power. The word strengthen the feeble means increase in power. And the last one I want to do real quickly, and then I want us to, I want us to pray, and I have a couple more stories I want to share with you. Take courage. Okay, let, me just, let me just go back. Str- encourage the exhausted. We just talked about that one. Encourage the exhausted means take hold of the sword. Are you with me? The spirit. Number two, strengthen the feeble. Strengthen the feeble means to increase someone's power. I remember some years ago, I met with a staff, a person on staff. I'd met with, with, uh, with them a couple, three times, working through some issues, and it didn't seem like I was helping, helping this person at all. And so uh, on the third visit, after the third visit, um, even though um, you know, they gave me a hug and thanked me, I felt like, man, there's just no breakthrough. So I, I walked into Danny's office, and I, said, I told Danny the story. I said, I'd met with this person three times, one of my, one of my team, and and uh, I told him, you know, I said, I don't know what's going on. You know, they, they were really, very kind to me, but I felt like there's no breakthrough. He asked me a, a, a simple question. He said, when they left your office, did they feel powerful? I said, I don't know. He said, you said you empowered them and you encouraged them. So when they left your office, did they feel powerful? Because if you empowered them, then they would have felt powerful. I'm like, isn't it funny how common sense isn't so common? And every time this person came into my office, I gave them instruction on how to get well, but I didn't empower them. I didn't, I didn't have it in my mind. They should leave feeling more powerful. I, I didn't collect their strength. Does that, does that make sense? And so I actually invited them in my office again the next day, and I said, hey, I just had this idea. Can you come see me? And I think they were a little bit, you know, they didn't say it, but I think they were a little bit like, ah, I've done, you, I've been, you know, I, I've done this with you three times and it isn't helping. But I, I thought in my mind, no, no, you, you need the fourth times, the, you know, cure. <laughs> I've been Danny Silk, you know, he did the Jedi mind thing on me and I'm ready to go now. So she came in my office the third time, the fourth time, and I, I had it in my mind. We might sit here for four hours, but you are not going to leave my office. I didn't say this to her. I had it in my mind. You are not going to leave my office until you are in power, like until you are more powerful than when you came in. They left my office beaming. Things were awesome. What happened? Sometimes take courage means collect your strength. Collect your strength. And I began to talk to, to them about, I said, this is, these are the things in your life that are amazing. And I started to tell her all the things in her life that he, that were powerful and that, we're, that we couldn't do without and the reasons why she, that she was on the team and all the stuff that she brings to our team. I just took all of the different things and I collected them and said, this is who you are. She left flying. I thought, I'm gonna write, write a book, keep your love on. Collect your strength, take courage, increase the power. You know, everybody, in, everybody, metaphorically speaking, everybody carries a bucket of water and a can of gasoline around with them. Everybody does, metaphorically. This is a metaphor. I know there's some people like, oh, there are other people who actually, it's not a metaphor. But <laughs> all of us carry a bucket of water and a gallon of gasoline around with us. 
And, and, the, and the truth is, we need to hang out with people who pour water on our fears and gasoline on our dreams. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm saying? We need to hang, hang out with people who actually pour water on our, cold water on, on the fires of our fears and throw gasoline on the passions of our dreams. And have you ever been around somebody, like every time you're around them, like they just put out your fire? I haven't, but there are people I know that have. I love what Bill says. He said, if any thought you have that doesn't inspire hope is under the influence of a lie. I love that saying. My, my son, Jason, has been through a lot. We, we wrote a book about it. We, he's shared the story so many times. Um, and uh, I think it was about two years ago. I, I'd, I'd been praying for him, and he went to speak at this conference, and he wasn't doing very well when he left. He was, like, really feeling weak. And, in fact, his, all, of his, all, all of his body parts, all of his limbs, his arms, his, his legs, he ached all the time. He got so weak in his, in his hands and that he couldn't actually open a, a, a jar, couldn't hold a glass, and, it was just, and just, from, just from stress. And so we had talked several times, and, and he was going on this, uh, on this um, do, doing this conference, flying to do this conference, and we talked beforehand. He's like, oh, I'm not looking forward to going. And I'm like, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And so I was praying for him while he was gone, and... Um, and I saw the word fragile on his forehead. The word fragile, like in prayer. I saw the word fragile like it was written in felt pen across his head. And then the FR fell off and it said agile. I said, dude, this is it. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I prayed for him that night and the next morning he calls and he's just not well and he's like, Dad, I'm just freaked out. I'm not doing good. And I said, hey, I said, I, I had this, this encounter last night and I saw the word fragile written on your head. And I said, I feel like you think you're fragile. He said, Dad, I am fragile. I said, and then it turned from fragile to agile and God said, you're moving from fragile to agile. He goes, well, Dad, I said, did you hear me? I said, <laughs> he's accustomed to me doing this to him. You know, he grew up. I said, you're moving from fragile to agile. He said, well, I received that. By the next day, he was already getting well. Within a few months, his, all of his pain was gone in full motion. And, he, and what I'm getting at is this. How many know that life and death are in the power of the tongue? Sometimes we think we need like some heavy revy. You know, it's like, well, I need to say something deep. Sometimes we need to say, hey, you're not fragile. Hey, don't be afraid. Are, are you with me? Like, sometimes it's not like what we say, it's the anointing on the words that we say. And when we say, don't be afraid, it's like, thanks a lot, you know, that was helpful. But how many know when God said to Joshua, don't be afraid, how many know it wasn't a suggestion? Hey, Josh, you know, don't be afraid. It was a command. Be strong and courageous. I, I want to be careful because I know that there are people that we need to mourn with people who mourn. I get that. And I understand that sometimes the church is so afraid of pain that we don't mourn with people who mourn. And we think our job is to always like get them to joy. And I'm like, I think there's a process. But I also know that in this season that there are people who are stuck. 
And in this season, there are people who need to hear, hey, be courageous. Be strong. Did you notice when God spoke to Joshua and said, be strong and courageous, he didn't speak to him in the, he didn't speak to him about his wilderness. He spoke to him about his promised land. Do you know that Joshua spent 40 years in the wilderness because of the people he hung out with? Okay, I'm just going to say that again because that got some, you, you started getting it. Do you know that Joshua spent 40 years in the wilderness, not because he was afraid, but because the people were? You're like, okay, well, wasn't he supposed to? I'm like, okay, he was, but how about you? Sometimes we hang out with people who validate our fear instead of challenge our promise. I hear people say, you know, I'm not afraid. You know, uh, if you're not afraid, I've used this example many times, but if you're not afraid, no, if you're afraid to fly and you choose to not fly, how many know you don't feel the emotion of fear? Because you reduced your life to accommodate it. I'll say that because I was terrified of flying. It, it wasn't so much being in the air. That, was, that seems kind of odd, sitting in a chair in the air. It was the idea, I'm, I, I was, used to be very claustrophobic, and when they closed the door on the plane, the idea that I couldn't get out until they, want, until they allowed me to, like in the air, scared the bajeebers out of me. And so, you know what I did? I didn't fly. I, I think I flew one time till I was like 38 because I was afraid to fly. You know, if you're called to make disciples of nations and you can't get on a plane, the fear of flying will reduce you. You've reduced your destiny down to what you have courage for, which is basically staying at home doing nothing. So sometimes people are like, you go, Hey, I think you're afraid. No, I'm not afraid. You mean you don't feel the emotion because you reduced your life to accommodate it. And when God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, Joshua wasn't, Joshua wasn't afraid of the wilderness that he was in. Joshua was afraid of the promised land that he was supposed to enter. This is a good word right here. This morning, I, I believe we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to pray for people who are depressed, people who have serious fatigue. I'm not talking about like, ah, oh, I didn't sleep last night. Good, we'll pray for you too. That's good. I'm talking about chronic fatigue. Like you're exhausted all the time. Do you know Isaiah 61? In Hebrew it says, I'm giving you, I'm giving you a mantle of praise for the spirit of fainting. I actually believe that there's a spirit. I don't think everything's a spirit, but I think at times, Fatigue can actually settle in on somebody so that it makes them so exhausted. In fact, if you read Daniel chapter 7, it says, And the horn, speaking of the devil, war, uh, waged war with the saints and wore the saints out. Wore out the saints of the highest one. I do believe that there are times when there is actually a spirit of fatigue on people, and it doesn't matter how much you sleep, you're still exhausted. And it, I'm not saying it can't be you know, medical, chemical, but I think there are sometimes a spirit of fatigue on people. Suicidal thoughts. Some of you are like, I I'm never gonna tell anyone I have suicidal thoughts because I don't think I'm suicidal. No, you're, you're probably not, but how many of you know self-preservation is number one, it's, it's number one human, uh, uh, um, what am I trying to say? It, it, it's an instinct. It's a natural instinct for you to, 
to, to preserve yourself. If someone attacks you, you naturally, no one else say, hey, you should defend yourself. You naturally defend yourself. So what happens when you take your own life? The thoughts of you taking your own life, I'm trying to say they're not even human. But what's the devil, what's the devil want to do? Kill, steal, destroy. What did he do with Jesus? He took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. Listen, if Jesus could be tempted with suicide, how many know you can too? Exhaustion, disorientation, hopelessness, disillusion, discouragement, feeling overwhelmed, anxiety, panic, all, all of these things. I feel like we're supposed to pray for these. I have one more point I want to make, but I think we're supposed to do this right now. If you have any of that going on, stand right now. You're like, well, what are people going to think? Who gives a rip? <laughs> I mean, they're not living your life. If you have any of those things, and I mean they're chronic things, I want you to stand right now. We're going to pray for you, and you are going to get, you're going to get free of these things. Well, can I do it while I'm sitting? Well, I think you need to take a stand of faith. I think, I think humility is really good for us. Sometimes you have to lose your dignity to get rid of your demons. If, you have a, if you're struggling with this, and I would be standing at seasons, in seasons of my life, to be honest, if you're struggling with this, I want you to stand up. If you're struggling with any of these things, you're struggling with exhaustion, you're struggling with fear, uh, suicidal thoughts, um, sorry, looking for the list, depression, you feel disoriented all the time, you feel hopeless. Like things are going well even, maybe they're not, but maybe even things are going well and you're like, I just feel hopeless. I feel disillusioned. I feel overwhelmed all the time. I feel overwhelmed all the time. I feel, feel like there's more to do than any human being could possibly do. I feel a, a high level of anxiety. I, I, I fight off panic all the time. Any of those things, stand up please. And those who are watching by Bethel TV, feel free to stand too. Just in your living room, just stand up. I'm gonna pray for you and you're like, well, who do you think you are? I'm nobody, I'm just Chris. Uh, his, I mean, his majesty to Siri, but everyone else, I'm just Chris. <laughs> but I am commissioned to do this today, specifically today. And so I expect what happened to Jason, fragile to agile, will happen to you. I believe that. I believe that that's the world. I believe that, that this testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I believe what happened for Jay, and some of you are going through crazy stuff, and it, you know, and Jay's life, uh, and Jay's struggle was, is more of a metaphor than it is the exact thing happening in your life. But you're like, that's me, I'm, I'm having all kinds of crazy symptoms, and I, I'm tired of it. So, all right, I'm gonna pray for you. I, I usually have other people pray for you. I believe in body ministry, but um, just a couple of minutes ago, I felt like the Lord said, no, you do this, you declare over them. And so, I, first, I, first I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to have you declare um, what Joel 3 says. Joel 3 says, let the weak say, I am strong. I'm going to have you do that in a minute, but first I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I, just right now, put your hand on your heart. Lord, I release courage that is coming from another dimension into every person's heart right now in Jesus' name. And I break off depression, disillusion, hopelessness, discouragement, 
the feeling of being overwhelmed, anxiety. I break the power of suicide, exhaustion, fatigue, disorientation, and any other spirit like that that's infecting and affecting people. And I break it off right now in Jesus' name by the power invested in me in Jesus to say these things today. And Lord, I release peace, joy, love. I pray right now that you would actually be infused. You would be infused with a sense of peace. Like my friend Henry, who I told you about, said, it's gone, it left. I can tell, it's over. And I just speak that over you right now, that you've crossed over into a new dimension and that stuff is left behind you and that you are free in Jesus' name. Now I want you to say on three, when I, when I count to three, you're gonna say this, you're gonna say, I am strong, because it says, let the weak say I am strong. This is a prophetic declaration, okay? You're not lying, you're speaking over yourself and over your circumstances, okay? On three, one, two, three. I am strong. Let's do it one more time. One, two, three. I am strong. Oh, so good. You can sit down. I'm going to just tell you this last story. We went to, um, that's just good. Can we just give the Lord a clap? Yesterday, um, we went to a cheerleading contest. My granddaughter, one of my granddaughters, I have three granddaughters and five grandsons. And uh, my granddaughter, her name's Ella, was in this cheerleading contest, and she's actually the mascot for her, for her school. And, um, and so they had, they had a basketball tournament, and before the basketball tournament, they had a cheerleading contest with about 12, I think like 12 schools about were involved. And, um, and so they, they, our school, our, my granddaughter's school, Douglas City School, went first, and their cheerleaders came out, and we were all, of course, waiting because Ella's in her coyote suit. That's their coyotes. And, and I, first of all, just to, just to give you a little backstory, my granddaughter is, I wouldn't call her shy, but she's definitely not the kind of person that wants to be in front of people. Like probably why they put her in a suit <laughs> would be my guess. So when my daughter said, hey, Ella's going to be a cheerleader, I thought, well, that would be the opposite of anything I would ever think for her to dream of. And she goes, and my daughter goes, well, she's going to be the mascot. I'm like, Makes sense to me. So, um, so they did, so they did their, their, um, their thing um, and their drill, and, and Ella didn't come out. And I'm like, well, that's strange. And then, so they did all 12 schools, you know, did the judging thing and all that. It took about a little over an hour, and, and so and Ella still didn't come out. So, so my daughter Shannon's like, well, that's really weird. So she went down and talked to the judges, and the judge is like, oh, we're so sorry. We totally forgot she's the only mascot in, uh, out of all 12 schools. No other school has a mascot. And we totally forgot to include her. And my daughter's like, well, she's been practicing for a month. They're like, okay, well, she could do the halftime show. We'll play, we'll play a basketball game, and then at halftime, she could be the halftime show, entertainment. So Shannon's like, okay, well, she comes up, and she tells us, like, Ella's going to be the halftime show. And we all, our whole family, looked at each other and we're like, well, that, that's just not going to work. <laughs> like, like you, you, you know, you're not, you won't get the whole story because you don't know her. But we're all like, that's just not going to work. Like, that would definitely work with Riley, but it would not work with Ella. So they went and told Ella, and she's like, okay, cool. 
I'm good with that. So, uh, so she, uh, she, so at halftime, they have her come out, and I'd like you just to watch the video. The video is actually three and a half minutes long, and you're going to see, sorry, you're going to see just one minute of it. Can you turn it up? That's her right there, the coyote. And what happened is, you're seeing two minutes into the halftime show, all the rest of the cheerleaders spontaneously ran up to the middle. This is all spontaneous. And started dancing with her. And she started busting some moves. I wish we had time for you to see the whole thing because at the end she realizes the cheerleaders are with her and she starts directing them and they're doing her thing and she you know, goes like this at the end and everybody shouts and they're all standing and cheering and, and, uh, and, and then uh, when she leaves, she, instead of just leaving, she runs where the boys are all sitting and they're all giving her high fives all the way to the thing and, like, and, and I turned to Shannon and I said, has she ever done that before? She said, no. And I, this, is, this, is the, this is really good for this encouraged day. There's something happened when she put on the mascot suit. The real Ella came out. And I turned to my daughter and I said, that's in there. That's in there. And when she gets hidden in the mascot suit, it comes out. And then I thought, well, you know what? A bunch of us, when we get hidden in Christ... The reality of everything we wanted to do comes out and we begin, we got, we start some busting some moves. Do you know what I'm saying? We start busting some moves, you know? We're like, there's something going on. That just doesn't happen without being hidden in Christ. And so some of encouraging the faint heart is, you just need to hide in Christ. You put that uniform on, and you start to make some moves no one's ever seen you make before. And all the other people who like attention will join you. Stand up, let's be done. You are hidden in Christ. It's no longer you who live, but the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit Bethel.tv for other exciting new content from Bethel Church.